Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. And that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome to First Class Fantasy. I am Theo Greminger, and I'm joined, as always, by Billy Muzio. And today we're joined by Davis Maddock. Davis is churning out content. Uh, you can find him on SportsGrid. You can find him on TakeCast. You can find him on SwoleCast. He's 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 in and out of of, of a lot of of our of our ears and our eyes. Oftentimes, this this time of year, Davis, uh, welcome back. Last time I chatted with you, uh, you were on press coverage. And we were talking about, you know, our favorite values at ADP. You had a couple of big hits. I'm sure you have a couple of regrets. But now we have four weeks into the season. We actually have guys. We have a strong sample size of a lot of these guys. And uh, Davis, welcome to First Class Fantasy. How are you doing today? You know, I'm doing great on uh, on this Monday morning. Had a pretty good week in the FFPC. Did get steamrolled by one AJ Brown team where, you know, we have, we have absolutely no hope. But I think uh, five and one in the main event this week. So, you know, anytime, anytime that, that win differential turns in your favor in the main event, that's kind of, that's kind of what you want in any given weekend. You'll take a five and one main event week, any, any chance you get guys. And uh, Billy and I, we, we were, we were on last week with Bob Harris, a really good episode. And one question that I've been asking pretty much every single guest we've had is what player is like the biggest positive surprise for you, Davis? And let's exclude Puka Nakua in this answer um, because it's such a low-hanging fruit. CJ Stroud. I mean, it has to be because anytime you take a team from no fantasy-relevant options outside of like a Najee Harris impersonation at running back into, oh, maybe we roster this team's third wide receiver. Oh, Robert Woods is relevant. Nico Collins just had 40 fantasy points. Damian Pierce got 24 carries, and he's given up work to Devin Singletary. And it doesn't even matter. Like the the biggest development for fantasy football is taking an offense from basically zero players who are going to rank as fantasy starters to fantasy relevant. Because the market, by the way, I mean Stroud was a, a waiver wire pickup, you know, in in main event leagues last week. Like even after a pretty strong start first two weeks, he wasn't really owned that much. Dell, I picked him up for a buck a bunch after week one, seeing that he ran ahead of Hutchinson. But I mean, seeing huge bids on him after week two, like it's it's got to be CJ Stroud, I think. Yeah, we we love CJ Stroud and Billy. We uh we streamed CJ Stroud. We grabbed him a little bit, and um, you know, last week I went nuts for CJ Stroud. I put him way high on my waiver wire uh, column. I I called Billy 
I call Nelson Sousa. I call Austin Martin. I call all the guys that I'm like, you know, get a little fab guidance. I'm like, hey, guys, I really, really want CJ Stroud. And Billy gives me like a nice calculated bid. And Austin and, and Nelson, you know, try to give me a little bit of guidance. I didn't care. I bid against myself. I got him everywhere. And I'm not angry about the amount of fab I wasted because I agree with Davis. I, I think he's absolutely the real deal. Billy, quickly give your thoughts on CJ Stroud. I mean, we talked a few days ago. And now yep. he goes out and has another incredible win. Throws for two more touchdown passes. Still doesn't have an interception on the year. They beat the hell out of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, it's the same player that I gave last week with Bob was CJ Stroud, and it's, yeah. it's 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 everything that Davis said. It's just it it, it elevates everybody around him and makes everybody fantasy relevant. And so, um, I dropped two hundred fifty on him in most leagues just because I needed another quarterback, or maybe I had a you know bye week coming up with with Herbert, or I had golf teams that I'm just not super comfortable with, or whatever the scenario may have been. Um, in quarterback needy teams, especially I dropped, you know, 250 on them. And uh, I saw him <laughs> bids go from $20 all the way up to $300. And it was all over the place with CJ Stroud. And so on leagues that I needed him, I dropped money on other leagues. I was a little bit more conservative. Um, some leagues you got him, some leagues you didn't. And so I think that uh, I think he could be considered pretty much a quarterback one for the rest of the season, honestly, with what we've seen from him. Yeah, we're going to touch on uh, Stroud and Anthony Richardson a little later in the show. But Davis, it's not all roses. There's definitely some guys that, you know, we pounded the table on in the summer that have given us a number of disappointing returns. For you, who is that biggest disappointment player? Maybe a player you were on that has kind of let you down or just a guy you weren't on, but you're kind of shocked by how they're doing. Yeah, it's sort of funny. I was talking about this with Sam Sherman and Pat Corain uh, via DM yesterday. Like all of our fades are at like zero. Like the guys that we were like, I don't want to take that guy. They all stink, but actually we weren't strong enough in a lot of our stands, you know, like only taking 25% of a guy when you'd really rather have 40 or whatever. But a guy I did take relatively large stands on versus the market who just stinks is Jackson Smith and Jigba. And the reason why it's so disappointing with him is that he's actually played like with him. I sort of thought, okay, he's going to be disappointing early in the season because he's not really going to play, you know, he'll get, He'll like Quentin Johnson, right? He'll run, um, you know, 11 routes, get three targets and be completely unstartable. But now it's like, well, he's kind of, he's running enough routes that if he was like running hot on efficiency, you could start him, but he's got the lowest average depth of target in the entire NFL. You know, he's got, he's got a sub Zach Ertz average depth of target. I mean, I do think he's getting open. Like when I watch him, I'm not like, oh, I was actually wrong. Like this guy stinks. It's just sort of like, Metcalf and Lockett obviously are playing really well. The Seahawks haven't, outside of the uh, Detroit game, they haven't played a shootout. I'm I'm obviously still hopeful. I'm leaving the light on for JSN. Like, I'm not dropping him or anything, but he's been a, a massive disappointment in terms of what he's been able to do when he's been on the field. Pile, pile Whoa, on, Billy. Just man, go pile Theo. on. Pile on, Billy. Pile on me. Pile does on Davis me. know about our bet? He does now. We had a <laughs> bet in the preseason, a $350 bet which is really going to be an entry that we'll split anyway. Uh, $350 bet on JSN finishing in, inside of the top 36, eight, finishing as a wide receiver three hey, or better. He, let's, hey, there's a lot of bad football players, all right? Like, there, it's, there's time. And I mean, again, the, the coping answer would be, if you're coping, you'd say, well, JSN was always a second half of the season play. Anyways, Metcalf is already banged up. He's got a rib injury. Tyler Lockett's 30 years old. Like, you can cope your way there, but he has been brutal for a yes. month. Like he just, he just has been. I keep telling Theo that when we set the line at 
36. It was not receiving yards per game. It was it was the <laughs> wide receiver finish. The disrespect, the disrespect, everyone. We're gonna we're gonna dive into the Seattle Seahawks who are playing tonight on Monday Night Football, as well as get Davis's reactions from a lot of the big stories from the weekend uh, after we hear a word from our sponsors. Hey, we're all starting new fantasy leagues all the time. And more often than not, where do we start our fantasy leagues at Player Profiler? On Sleeper. Because it's the best. You can imagine my excitement when I saw Sleeper rolled out. Sleeper picks, baby. And game stacking is the path to positive returns with these pick'em games. Find that sneaky shootout and set most of the players to go over their projection for that week. Or you find a game going to get dragged into the mud and take every member of the passing game for less than their projections that week. And if you... Pick up to eight. That's how you 100x your payout on Sleeper. It's called the Hail Mary. So if you use promo code UNDERWORLD, you get a $100 instant deposit match. Check out Sleeper's terms and conditions for details. These Sleeper picks are live in over 25 states. Yeah, buddy. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome back to First Class Fantasy. I'm Theo Greminger with Billy Muzio and our guest Davis Maddock. Uh, guys, not on the show sheet, but um, last night we saw the the Kansas City Chiefs. They had a couple of calls go their way from the, from the officials. There's no doubt about that. But Patrick Mahomes ends the game effectively for fantasy managers, for betters, and for the Kansas City Chiefs themselves by sliding down at the, let's call it the one and a half yard line, when he could have walked in the end zone for a big rushing touchdown. That touchdown would have pushed a number of fantasy managers to wins, and it would have pushed a ton of betters to wins. Apparently, this was one of the most lopsided games of the weekend. There were books that had like 90% action coming in on Kansas City with minus the big number. Davis, what is your thoughts on quarterbacks sliding and doing the appropriate thing clockwise versus the appropriate thing for us? I mean, I'm, it's tilting. Like, I needed that Mahomes touchdown. I bet on the Chiefs to cover. Like, it was tilting for me, but, I, I mean, I am a Chiefs fan. So, like, at the end of the day, how mad can I get? I actually, normally I don't stay awake for all the Sunday night game. Like, I got to get up and get to my week on Monday morning. But I was like, I'm not going to bed with, like, Zach Wilson throwing haymakers at my team. Like, because if I wake up on Monday morning and I see final score, Jets 27, Chiefs 20, it's, like, it's just going to ruin my whole day. So, I might as well stay awake for it but uh i don't know i mean i really wish he would have scored the touchdown but like he did do the right thing and if they lost you know like remember nick chubb did this right so there was a moment where nick chubb scored 
I, I think it was against the Ravens and they ended up coming back and his team lost. Like you do, like it happened, it doesn't happen that often, but when you do, you just feel like a real dick. Like I could have just, the game could have just been over and I just cost my team like a very valuable win. Billy, the football purist in you, or does the fantasy football manager reign supreme in moments like this? No, the purist comes through. It's the right call in terms of clock management and game. It's just, it sucks for fantasy, but um, it, it just kind of is what it is. I mean, I'd say if we're going to blame anyone, blame the Chiefs for making it that close of a game to begin with, yeah. right? It shouldn't have been that close. Uh, we saw some errors. There was definitely some calls that went both ways. I know people want to point to the PI call at the end, but the face mask call was on the one-yard line. It shouldn't have been a safety, which kind of changed the momentum of the game anyway. So I'd say, you know, it's the Ch- it's the Chiefs' fault for letting it get this close to begin with. Fall in the end zone next time, Mahomes. When we, we, we've got your back all the time. Fantasy football and gamblers matter a lot. And like I said to Davis and Billy in the pre-show, a lot of the people that bet on the Kansas City Chiefs are Kansas City Chiefs fans. So, you know, help help out your fan base. Fall in the end zone next time. That's my (laughs) take. Forget the football purity. Guys, uh, one positive aspect from the the Jets last night, you know, Zach Wilson, to his credit, played probably the best game we've seen him play as a pro. But the usage for Garrett Wilson was very, very promising. He had nine catches. And he had the second most targets he's ever had in his career, tying 14. 14 was the amount he had last year in his big breakout game against Cleveland in week two. Uh, He had one 15 target game. So he nearly got his uh, career high in targets. Davis, have they finally like understood we need to force the ball to Garrett Wilson, even if our offense is struggling, uh, Wilson's our guy, or is this something that we can't rely on volume less? No, I, I mean, this is the plan. Right. Like, I think Nathaniel Hackett did actually come out with like a really good game plan that Wilson was able to execute. They were, you know, they were throwing body, they were throwing body blows against, against the, uh, the world champions. So like it, I, I would expect that something like that, like, like a Devonte Adams target share, you know, 30, 33%. The other thing is, um, I mean, Dalvin's got to be like the worst running back in the NFL, right? He's got 33 so carries bad. on the year for 74 yards like those snaps i i actually would not be surprised if dalvin is a healthy scratch next week for israel abanacanda because they just kind of need anyone who can do an explosive thing on offense we've already seen that with xavier gibson after he scored the punt return touchdown in week one they're giving him like the mccall hardman touches so i i think that the offense will just actually go more in that direction and it'll be even less and less to the old guys Dalvin Cook looks just horrendous. Billy, Garrett Wilson with this kind of the new information we're getting and the increased target share, can we effectively treat him as a wide receiver too? There were a lot of start-sick questions for Garrett Wilson this week. I always lean towards Wilson. I have an obvious bias towards his talent, but I think our concerns are a little bit alleviated, aren't they? Yeah, I he was pretty comfortably a wide receiver two in my rankings this week. I think that if we continue to see the volume that we've seen the last two weeks out of him, we can probably consider him a high-end wide receiver two on a week-to-week basis. We can continue to see that volume. It's when it dips down below, you know, six targets, seven targets, that we start getting really concerned. Um, But if he's seeing double-digit targets week in, week out, then he's by all means a wide receiver two every week with wide receiver one upside. Yesterday, one of the more entertaining games of the day turned out to be the Denver-Chicago game. It was like a tale of two cities uh, with Chicago giving up a huge lead and Denver coming all the way back at Soldier Field to win 31-28. Javante Williams exited Denver's game with a hip injury, 
And they've quickly come out to say that this is not concerning. They don't think it's going to be that long-term an injury. But my big takeaway is Julio McLaughlin showed more juice than any Denver back has all season long, both as a rusher and as a receiver. This was a guy that really steamed up towards the end of the summer um, in main event drafts and, and a number of other high stakes formats, and then was basically cleaned up as a first waiver wire run guy. So a lot of people cut him. He's still on a lot of rosters. Davis, your thoughts of how this Denver Broncos backfield is going to look. Can we lean into McLaughlin? I mean, probably not, honestly, is the answer. It's just not really Sean Payton's vibe. I think he kind of likes the way he had it before, where Javante is the early down guy. P. Ryan is like locked into the long down distance stuff, and he brings McLaughlin in, you know, when when he feels like it, basically. Now, the Javante hip injury, you do get a little bit concerned because he came back very early from this ACL injury. This is like what happened to Michael Gallup and Chris Godwin last year, where you come back early, you get a compensation injury, and it's a little bit harder to get back to 100%. Um, he has the uh, he has the all-time college football record for rushing yards, Shalom McLaughlin, which is kind of just like your classic. I mean, it's actually a lot like Philip Lindsay, like just the guy who was insanely productive at a small school. Um, you know, we tend to kind of like those guys, especially as rookies. Definitely. I think the issue is whatever, like if you don't have McLaughlin already on your rosters, he's going for like 219, you know, in, in the main event this week. So like, if you didn't get him, it's a little bit too late. Cause you don't really want to pay that. I mean, I, I found myself in some spots with, like with Sean Tucker in the spot where it's like, okay, I spent 137 fab dollars on Sean Tucker. I don't really want to cut him, but he's also not startable. Like it, so it, it's a, it's a weird waiver wire bid situation, especially as we head into the buys and you got to maintain kickers and defenses and quarterbacks and stuff during the buys. Like it's a lot of money to spend on a guy who's not going to touch your starting lineup. Billy, your thoughts on McLaughlin? I know you were a big fan of his in the preseason. I don't think two nineteen gets him this week. I think yeah. you're gonna. I yeah, think I think he, you're probably right. I think you're gonna see you know three to four hundred dollars with people that only have six hundred dollars. So we're probably gonna see fifty percent of their fab being dropped on him just because we don't know exactly how long Javante is gonna be out. Um, I do see what Davis is saying though. It's gonna be hard to roster people. We're gonna have to make tough decisions with bye weeks coming up and more injuries amounting. And I mean, you're not dropping someone like Deontay Johnson who's still sitting on IR, right? You're not dropping some other players who are sitting on IR that are coming back shortly. Um, and so I think that you are going to see some names be dropped for him, which I always like seeing who gets dropped for somebody like Jill McLaughlin. Like the week that we saw everybody add Puka Nakua, like somebody dropped Deontay Johnson. Right. And so um, we always see that's like, you know, sneaky level is go back through and see who people are dropping inside their main events and your FBCs, because you always see somebody get dropped who shouldn't be dropped for a, you know, random ad. And so, I like Jaleel. I think that he earned more touches for sure. I mean, we, we saw snap shares yesterday. P. Ryan saw about 46% of the snaps. Jaleel started 33. But we saw him start to kind of take on more of that work as the game progressed. Um, definitely looked to be the more explosive back. I mean, we, we already know what P. Ryan is at this point in his career where McLaughlin could be it's, – it's the unknown factor that kind of drives that drives the, the want for him to be on your team because – you know, he had, had had some big runs yesterday, 72 yards on the ground on just seven attempts. Um, also able to catch the ball. We saw 32 yards on three on three catches and a touchdown. So um, if we can see that 
that three down usage, right? You know, it doesn't need to be three downs every series, but if we can see series where he's getting, you know, a target here or a target there, getting, getting a handful of carries, if we can see him in that 10 to 12 uh, attempt range and, you know, three to four receptions. We're talking about a potential RB two on a week to week basis um, with their matchup. So I, I like Jill Muffin. I think he's going to go for quite a bit of fab and, I'm pretty soured in my stomach today looking at who I kept on my roster, who I dropped him for last week. So um, still own about 40%, but not feeling good about it here this Monday. Yeah, I'd say it's a, it's a tough one when you have a guy, then you cut a guy, then he breaks out. Yeah. But it happens if we're continually churning our, our the back end of our rosters, guys, and, and we have to fill our, our starting lineup needs and everything. Uh, Dave, it's not on the show sheet, but right now Denver's leading receiver is Marvin Mims with 242 receiving yards Cortland Sutton 216 Jerry Judy 158 but only in three games played it's been very frustrating for for Marvin Mims uh fantasy managers because he very much looks the part but we're not seeing that sort of volume do you think that this is going to change like a little bit of self-scouting and maybe we'll be starting him in the second half of the year or do you think this is going to be a you know continually frustrating situation for us with a very talented player like Mims so my read was that actually that the stuff we were hearing before week four about him playing an expanded role on offense was true, that that was actually the plan. And then he fumbled on his own five yard line and the coaches were like, all right, you know, too much, too soon, whatever. And like, I don't know this actually to me, most of the time I go against the coaches on things like this. This is actually a spot where I think they might be a little bit justified in the sense of, Marvin Mims played in this spread air raid offense at Oklahoma where he literally had one job. I mean, dude ran a straight line and he's so fast and so agile. He got open and also he played at Oklahoma. So he played like five serious games his entire career, you know, like it, it's a pretty big step. I think he's obviously shown the, like what he can do, but Brandon Johnson and little Jordan Humphrey probably do understand the offense a little bit better right now. And he's also really small and they like to run the ball a lot and he's probably not a very good run blocker, but yeah, more routes are coming. Obviously do not drop Marvin Mims like talking. I would not drop Marvin Mims for Julio McLaughlin right now. Speaking of guys who I think, and by the way, Mims will totally get the ax. This, you know, if like, let's say Cooper cup doesn't come back. And a team has also drafted Deontay Johnson and has another running back injury. And it's a bad bye week for them. Like Marvin Mims is going to get dropped in some FFPC stuff. And he will be a really good stash at that point. And uh, Billy, we'll get your thoughts on, on the Mims situation in a second. But Davis, how let's pivot to Dynasty. How bullish are you on Marvin Mims as a Dynasty asset and his long-term view of him as an NFL player? Yeah, I, I mean... Huge buy, right? Because like the the first step with all these guys in Dynasty is can they get on the field and what do they do once they get on the field? So like, you know, uh, I just did a big refresh to my Dynasty rankings update with Karain and Jacob Sanderson, and we made like huge moves based off like three weeks of action because honestly, just like Laporta actually is a great example. Like Laporta loved him in theory, drafted him in all these leagues. Now I see him on the field running routes, playing 80% of the snaps, and I'm like, well, yeah, I just straight up rather have this guy than George Kittle, you know, and it's like, it's like really that easy to me. And I think Mims sort of, you know, he, he passes the smell test. Billy, anything to add on Marvin Mims? Completely agree with you, Davis. 
Yeah, so Mims did see increased snaps. I mean, it wasn't as much as we were hoping for. He jumped about 10% snaps from 24-ish uh, for two weeks in a row to 35. Uh, we did see Brandon Johnson and Little Humphrey take a, um, a step back. I mean, Little Humphrey about the same, actually about 21%. But Brandon Johnson took a pretty big chunk of snaps or lost a chunk of snaps, 60% in week three, then 35% in week four. So I do think the tide is shifting towards Mims. Um, that being said, you know, they did have Judy on the field and Sutton on the field. So we're starting to see kind of a full arsenal of weapons. It'll be interesting to see what they do when they do get Greg Dulcich back as well um, and how they mix in everybody and who's going to be on the field at, at any given time. Um, and so I, I do think that Mims' his value is still steaming up and he will eventually see the field more and more and more. Um, the question is, do they try to trade one of these receivers? Because we saw in the offseason that they had him on the trade block. I think it's probably Judy if that is going to happen. Sutton seems to be the fit for the team right now. Um, the ex receiver that we talked about in the offseason, Theo, um, where Lombardi has favored that position kind of throughout his career as, as OC. And so I do think that um, one of these guys will probably end up being traded at some point in the season. And that's where Mims will probably take the biggest step forward, of course. No, I love it. And guys, let's pivot over to Chicago. So many positive things were happening in that first half. Justin Fields passes for a career-high four touchdowns. He goes over 300 yards passing. You have DJ Moore looking fantastic. Cole Komet finds the end zone twice, and then it completely falls apart. Davis, why has Eberflus not been fired yet? And what's going to happen with this Justin Fields storyline? Where do you see this thing going? Do you think that he could be traded near the deadline? Um, I don't think he'll be traded. I think that's more like something that would happen in the off season. But I mean, I, I sold all my field stock. Like I'm, I'm out. Um, he just is not there as a passer, which is kind of funny. Cause he was absolutely dealing against the Broncos. He made like a couple crazy third down throws, putting it into a window. But I just think the stage that I'm at is like fields is this incredible rusher. Maybe actually probably the best rusher at the quarterback position, even better than Lamar because he's even bigger and stronger than Lamar. Lamar's like a little shiftier and faster probably, but he just, you know, quarterback. I, it's kind of like Zach Wilson, right? Like Zach Wilson, we just saw him throwing haymakers, but like no one's going to bet on the Jets for the rest. No one thinks the Jets are winning that division or whatever. Like there's just a step of like processing and seeing the field. Um, I, and actually if Sam Howell was not getting sacked, like every time he dropped back right now, we would still be talking about fields like pacing the literal NFL record for most times sacked. Like he still is at 12% of his dropbacks turning into sacks, even with that crazy mobility that he has. I just, I'm out. And, and I mean, just more is startable, but like, you don't feel good about it on any no. given week. You know, any given week you're you, like, you can get two for 18. It's just like so possible. Billy, anything to add about your thoughts on the Chicago offense and how you're going to be treating them moving forward? I, there's no reason why Ibrahim shouldn't be fired. I mean, just his game management on Sunday or yesterday was just horrific. I mean, you're in field goal range, tied game. It's like two minutes left, and you decide to go for it on fourth and one. Like, it this just made no sense for me from like a coaching perspective. Uh, I the positive news is they have the top two picks right now in the NFL draft, um, and so um, I think it's officially. Caleb Williams season watch time. And so it'll be interesting to see what they do with, with fields this, this off season. Um, you know, we, we, Davis talked about his, his uh, lack of passing um, efficiency, which is so crazy because in college, he was one of the most accurate passers and just hasn't trans transitioned well into the NFL. And so um, it could be 
a fresh start. Maybe he needs it. So regain that confidence and, and maybe we'll see it, but I don't think it's going to happen with the bears. And guys, I'll give you a very simple rebuild. The bears plan. You trade Justin Fields, you get draft capital, you draft Caleb Williams at the one spot, you draft Marvin Harrison Jr. at the two spot, and then you hire Johnson from Detroit or Slowick from Houston, and all of a sudden the team is fixed. It's it's a simple, simple, simple game, guys. Uh, shout out to any NFL team looking for help in the front office. I am available. Uh, Davis and Billy, we had kind of huge news out of left field. The NFL is such a funny thing especially fantasy football, we're all kind of reacting to the Jameer Gibbs-David Montgomery split from Thursday evening, and then we get big news bombs. Cooper Cup's going to return to practice, and Jamison Williams comes off of suspension early. Now you have Jamison Williams joining a potent Detroit passing attack. He's a guy that is a little bit polarizing, Davis, because he hasn't really have any production in six games last year, but He's certainly the fastest Detroit wide receiver. Um, this was a guy that was a top, uh, picked 12th overall in last year's draft. Incredibly uh, productive college player. How do you see him fitting in on this Detroit offense? You know, just got uh, a, a quote from Dan Campbell at uh, at practice this week, and he said his hopes for Jameson Williams for the year just be a liable, just be a reliable wide receiver. To me, that's a good year. Says the team is about winning doesn't care about yards or numbers. You know what that you know what that says to me? He does not think he can count on Josh Reynolds. I, I think that Dan Campbell says best case scenario this year, he turns into Khalif Raymond, that he could just play instead of Khalif Raymond and he'll run some end arounds and he'll run some nine routes and he'll have a couple exciting moments. I mean, I do think there's this sort of revisionist history with Jameson Williams that he just didn't play last year, right? Like, oh, we just wiped out, just clean slate, ACL, whatever. No, dude, he played in six games and he had a catch. One. A, a, a catch. I mean, and and the stuff you hear about Jameson Williams is like bad attitude, you know, doesn't like it just you don't you don't you hear nothing good. You like and and I am so prepared to be wrong. I mean, we get these things wrong in fantasy football all the time. They traded up for him. He was this incredible player at Alabama. But uh if you're just evaluating a situation based on vibes, uh there it's like hard to find a worse vibe situation in the NFL. I I'm, I mean, obviously you're, you're trying to pick him up like where you can, but this is not a guy I'm like making a play for and dynasty thinking I'm buying low. So basically to you, this is a guy that uh, if, if anybody's, you know, hopeful that Josh Reynolds, Josh Reynolds will see decreased usage. Do you think, or is this something where I think it's more, separate. it would, no, it's like Marvin Jones, who has yep. zero catches the last three games Plays anyway. Outside. I think his, his his snaps go to like zero. And then whatever like scraps Khalif Raymond is getting, those probably go. I mean, you when you watch their team, you see their offense is just begging out for what Jameson could do because St. Brown and Laporta are so good underneath. They need some space for Gibbs to operate. And in big games, they're going to need a field stretcher. So, like, I'm prepared to be pleasantly surprised, but it would be a surprise at this point if he is reliable. Billy, your thoughts on Jamison? Yep, they need someone to go out there and do cardio and just stretch the field. Uh, it's it could be like it's going to be like the wide receiver version of Cal Pitts, just out there running routes and being on the field all the time, but not really do anything. To kind of piggyback off of Dan Campbell's sentiment, Eric Wood, uh, Woodyard from the Detroit Lions, he's a Detroit Lions reporter, reported today as well, saying that it's about polishing the little things from Dan Campbell, and he says we'll see where it goes. 
It's all about improvement, Campbell said. They aren't anticipating him coming in and playing 60 plays immediately, but fulfilling a role. And so Davis hit on that role. It's a field stretcher. It's somebody that's going to get out and, and you know, just try to burn somebody. And he might get that long touchdown pass. It's going to be great for your best ball teams. But guess what? It's going to be very hard to start him inside of your season-long leagues because he might see two targets a game for, you know, 20 yards for the first couple games. And so he's going to have that big play, and you're going to put him in your lineup, and then you're going to, you know, feel bad because he put up a goose egg the next week. And so it's going to be one of the hardest start sets week to week, I think, just based upon his inconsistency because Dan Campbell doesn't give a shit about your fantasy team. Look what he's doing with Jameer Gibbs right now. He cares about winning football and about getting people on the field who are buying into what he's trying to build. Um, That running back right now is going to be David Montgomery. And so we saw even when David Montgomery was out, they were running Craig Reynolds. They were running, you know, anybody and everybody other than just Jameer Gibbs. So Jameer Gibbs has to learn the little things that Dan Campbell was talking about in order for him to see the field more. And so Campbell's going to play who gets those little things done week in a week out. And he doesn't care about the name. A lot of season left for, for Jameer Gibbs guys. I, uh, I'm still going to take an optimistic approach with Gibbs. I think there's a lot of like, you know, the gloom and doom from everyone about a guy with nine plus PPR points the other night. Uh, I think that the role is going to increase as the season moves along and Dan Campbell gets more comfortable with him. I mean, it's a dynamic playmaker. My eyes don't lie. Davis, your thoughts on Jameer Gibbs? Same, exact same deal. Uh, It's far from being over for him. That that game the other night against the Packers was a perfect David Montgomery script, not a perfect Jameer Gibbs script. And if the Lions are a serious team, I mean, obviously they are going to know that they need the guy they just spent the number 12 overall pick on, but their schedule also like they have some difficult games coming up. They play away to the Ravens. They play away to the chargers. Uh, they end the season playing away to the Cowboys away to the Vikings. Like they, like they have some real games. They're going to have to try and win. And also, I mean, David Montgomery is 28 years old, 27 years old, already suffered an injury. Like, uh, does it feel good right now that you just spent your third round pick on Jameer Kibbs? No, it doesn't feel great. Uh, I'm, although to be fair, the third round, a lot of guys in there who you could see either side of the coin with, right? Like it's a real eye of the beholder situation. I mean, it does feel bad to not have more David Montgomery because he's clearly going to be a win where he was drafted, but it's, it's definitely not over for Jameer Gibbs. Like I actually weirdly thought what he did the week Montgomery was out was kind of a positive. He only saw one target and didn't have a good fantasy game. But to me, that shows that the coaching staff actually thinks he can do that, that he can just go in and go run hard nose between the tackles in a way that they clearly never thought DeAndre Swift could do. Let's let's uh, pivot back. Uh, Billy mentioned Kyle Pitts. I don't want to talk about Atlanta at all. I don't want to sit here criticizing Arthur Smith at all. It's tiresome. I'm not going to talk to you guys about Jonu Smith either. I had to write about, about him in my waiver wire column this week. I was like, what's going on here? But they lost to Jacksonville. Jacksonville, I wouldn't say looked great, but they definitely look like a much better team than Atlanta. Calvin Ridley finds the end zone on kind of a busted coverage, uh, long touchdown. Calvin Ridley now has three straight weeks without going over 40 yards receiving. There's a three-way tie between Evan Engram, Christian Kirk, and Calvin Ridley for most yards uh, among the three receivers. And Ridley's actually third in receptions. How worried should Calvin Ridley managers be about a guy, Davis, that they also took in the third round? And some people are taking him at the end of the second. 
I think Ridley's going to be okay. Uh, honestly, it's just like, you know, three, like four weeks is not a lot of football. Ridley, I think, is like clearly still good. You know, like I don't, I don't really have any concerns about his route running or whatever. You know, Christian Kirk is a, also a good wide receiver. And also the Jaguars, again, I mean, you know, it's just been like a weird start to the season. Like they just played a completely non-competitive game. Although I guess, I, I mean, how much uh, less weird are things going to be with them having to stay over in London? Like, it's, it's, so how, it's so smart. It's so smart. And weird. it's such yeah. a great advantage to them. Uh, that game is is actually pretty awesome to have Buffalo coming a- across yeah. the pond. First time I've ever used across the pond on a on a podcast, guys. But it's appropriate. They go across the pond, short week, and Jacksonville's like acclimated to the time zone. They know the stadium. It's like a real home field advantage. I think it's I think it's awesome. Yeah, and I mean that'll be a good game, right? If we're sitting here uh, and we get through the Bills and the Colts game, and Calvin Ridley has sixteen percent of the Jaguars' targets, and Zay Jones is back from being injured. And is getting more targets like then I'm prepared to sound, you know, the alarm or whatever. But I can't, I mean, he, he, again, he's another guy who like come back from not playing for two years and you're good and you score a bunch of points in your first game. Like I'm not, I'm not going to sweat you too much. Billy, your overall thoughts about this Jacksonville offense, Trevor Lawrence, the receivers, Evan Ingram's very much a positive. Yeah. And you know that I was a little bit more down on Ridley versus consensus just based upon his time away from the field. And and as cliche as it is, the mouse defeat in the offense, uh, even with all the receivers that were out last week, Ridley struggled. The biggest thing for me when I watch him play is he's just not getting the separation that he once got. Um, he's still running routes. He's running OK. But, you know, one point three eight target separation right now is wide receiver 64 in the league. And so um, I think that's what's hindering him getting the ball. Uh, I, I do think that. Um, they have enough people to, to kind of get the ball around and pass it around and where they don't need them on a week-to-week basis. So we're probably going to see some of these hills and valleys on a week-to-week basis um, where he is going to have games like he did week one where he had 11 targets and 101 yards and touchdown. And we're going to see weeks like last week where we saw two targets um, based upon the results. So I think that ultimately it's one of those things you have to deal with as a fantasy manager. Um, I don't own a lot of them just because I did have concerns, but I do think that uh, um, if you paid him around three, probably not feeling the greatest about it right now, but he definitely has time to turn it around. Yeah. And we see Trevor Lawrence uh, as Jacksonville's quarterback. I also think like Lawrence doesn't look bad. I think the overall offense is going to pick up a little bit and he'll settle in as a, as a probably a little closer to probably quarterback 10 or 11, on the season than kind of the hopes that he could crack into like the top five, but uh, definitely a tilting game against that Buffalo uh, powerhouse team coming to come in to play him in London. Uh, also in that division, Davis, we touched on CJ Stroud and how great he looks. We also have seen Anthony Richardson who looks like a real threat to Cam Newton for the most ever uh, points by a rookie QB. I think he's very close right now in terms of a four game pay, uh, a four game pace. And he's only played, uh, you know, two and a half. Where are you at on Anthony Richardson? How good does he look? Couldn't be any higher on him. Um, expect he will probably be drafted as a top five quarterback in fantasy football next year. Um, I think you could argue from a real life perspective. I mean, Stroud looks awesome, but like you could tell me you like Richardson more just because Richardson's got like more tools in the toolbox. Um I, I mean, obviously, the biggest question about Richardson was, is this guy going to be able to complete passes even at, like, a, a you know, a, a Ryan Tannehill level? And the answer is clearly yes. I mean, he made 
the throw he made in the fourth quarter to Alec Pierce yesterday. I mean, that is ridiculous wizard stuff. It looked fake. It looked fake. It did. It did. Like literally the clip does actually look fake. And that's sort of the thing of like, you can tell who was doing their homework and who wasn't because yeah, his passing numbers at Florida were like bunk, but Florida also was just like this weird vortex of like, no one like Florida just lost like a horrible game this last weekend, you know, like they just, it's just a weird school. Um, Richardson's also very clearly like smart, like on, on the field, he's processing things. I mean, he's still gonna like, he's got a couple terrible throws every game cause he's a rookie and maybe those never go away. You know, maybe he, maybe his ceiling is sort of like Jamison Williams also, or uh, James, James Winston as like a crazy good rusher or whatever. Uh, but he's awesome. Uh, I also think another thing is that we maybe wrote the obituary for Michael Pittman Jr. and Josh Downs a little bit early. It didn't happen this Sunday game against the Rams, like just kind of a weird game. But I do think he should be a sufficient enough passer to like Michael Pittman, clear top 30 wide receiver and Downs, you know, a rosterable guy in 12 team leagues for sure. Yeah, we we talked about uh, Downs uh, as well, Billy. I mean, he's been a target magnet until until yesterday. Uh, you rarely see a third round pick getting a 12 target game this early in the year, but it happened in the win against Baltimore. Uh, Billy, and I'll come back to you, uh, Davis, as well for this. Where are you slotting Anthony Richardson in in Dynasty? We rarely ask this, Billy, but now it's starting to come out because I think a lot of teams are looking to kind of change their Dynasty rosters. How high should he be? Oh, that's a dynasty is a good question. Yeah, um, like I'll give it to you heads up. Trevor I think Lawrence, probably or top Richardson. nine, maybe top eight. Lawrence um, or Richardson, Billy? I moved him. I moved him to nine ahead of Lawrence in my rankings. I also moved Burrow down in my stuff. Like you could, you could tell me you like Richardson over Burrow right now, and I would not say you're insane, honestly. Yeah, I think I'd probably still slightly prefer Lawrence over Richardson, but I'm not going to argue either way if somebody had it flip-flopped. Um, I think that's where the line is drawn, quite frankly, is that Trevor Lawrence range. Um, and I think, honestly, Richardson was a guy that I was wrong on coming into the season. And, and you know, I knew that the rushing side was there, but um, he was really inaccurate in college, under 60% completion percentage. He's actually throwing 66% uh, through the first three weeks. I haven't done the math for last week. It was underneath 60%, so we'll see where it comes in. But he's throwing the ball a lot better in, in the NFL than we ever saw him do in college. Um, he's adjusting the speed. The rushing uh, is there, like, and that's what we thought it was going to happen. Like I thought we were going to see like a, a poor man's Justin's field from last year, but I thought we were going to see like 800 yards, not 1,100 yards. And to me, that was going to be like quarterback 13 ish quarterback 12 you know and we're seeing him now pretty clearly inside the top eight and so um you know it looks like a miss on my part from the projection standpoint but um we'll see what happens the rest of the season but he definitely looks like the real deal now one quarterback whose the results are have been mixed so far and the team is struggling on offense is bryce young you guys are both big on the cj stroud and anthony richardson uh you know talent evaluations as am i davis could this go down as like a near all-time miss how how, where do you think Bryce Young is headed I mean again I don't want to write Bryce Young off he's throwing to Adam Thielen Terrace Marshall (laughs) DJ Shark Hayden Hurst he's got Miles Sanders and Chuba Hubbard in his backfield like I think you can pretty clearly look at what Stroud's working with and like Dell huge hit Dell Dell would be the best wide receiver on the Kansas City Chiefs right now probably Absolutely. Um, Nico Collins would be the best wide receiver on the Chiefs right now Nico I mean 
Thielen, obviously, uh, I mean, speaking of misses, that there's a there's a fade I completely missed on. Thielen looks like he's going to be a giant win for people who, uh, you know, love to draft, draft the old guys. But like, and Frank Reich, I think is a fine head coach, but not a guy who's going to like, you know, have this system that really buoys up a young guy. I mean, the, the biggest issue with Bryce is he does look very small out there and, and nothing he's done has shown me like, Oh, he's, he's definitely like, I have no concerns over Bryce young being this small is not something that I've thought yet. Really. It's like, Anytime you miss on a guy who ends up becoming him at quarterback, you feel bad. What might make the Panthers feel really stupid is they might have done it twice, is that yes. they they might have traded up and not gotten Stroud and not gotten Richardson and watched those guys, you know, be awesome for the next five years. And then, you know, they start the process over again because they decide Bryce is not the guy. Davis, I can't believe you forgot his other weapons like Amir Smith, Marset, and Tommy Tremble, and Ian Thomas here. Right, exactly. <laughs> like uh, of the of the rookie quarterbacks who've played right now, he is far and away the worst. I guess I'm not qualified to judge offensive line play. I guess the Texans' offensive line has been super banged up. Yeah, so up. that could be, uh, which is uh, more of a credit even to Stroud yep. for just handling that Steelers defense without him. But I, I did, I went into the year thinking the Panthers were going to stink. They do stink. They will continue to stink. And I, I don't know how much of that is Bryce Young's fault. Frank Reich is also, I think, lost his fastball. And I think that'll become more and more apparent as the season moves along. One rookie uh, that's absolutely dominating in terms of fantasy scoring is Puka Nakua, who has set the five-game record in only four games. Uh, went nuts again. He had a career high in, in yardage, and he, actually, and he found the end zone. We also have Kyron Williams, a second-year player, and he has a career-high 102 rushing yards. Davis, let's say Cooper Cup comes back and he's fully healthy. How is this offense going to look? Is this a pie grows larger scenario, or is this a everybody takes a step back, Cooper Cup returns, or is it something else? Higby and Van Jefferson. Oh, Van Jefferson snaps will go to zero. Like maybe actually zero because the Rams just do that 11 personnel and they don't sub anyone out. So Van Jefferson plays behind Atwell. The three wide receivers are Nakua, Cup, and Atwell. Nakua's targets will definitely change. I think his A dot will go up and his total target share will go down. Cup, I mean, we'll see if he even plays in week five. Maybe they hold him out again. Should. You know, honestly. Yeah. So the one this is probably an unpopular opinion. The one I would worry about would be Kyron. Cause I just don't really think he's that good. He was like an unimpressed, uh, unimpressive prospect at Notre Dame. The team clearly has acknowledged, um, you know, he, he can't play a guy hundred percent of the snaps every single week. It's just not a viable way. Ronnie R and not that Ronnie rivers is any good. Um, they have this guy, Zach Evans. I know some people like him. It's just like, to me, the rug could be pulled out from underneath you on Kyron at any given time. And it could happen in a numer like so many ways, right? They trade for a running back, a running back. They like gets cut just, you know, just so many ways. Obviously you're starting him and you feel very good about it. Nakua. I've got like sub 5% concerns that he like gets nuked when cup comes back. I think that he, you know, the, the Robert Woods role their the cups breakout year he was around three pick and and woods went like two picks after him yes like there's a enough meat on the bone there for two guys especially with stafford playing this well um playoff contending i mean i don't know the defense seems pretty bad yeah and but the nfc the nfc has got like a bunch of like chucklehead teams right 
like the same, like the entire NFC South, the Commanders, the Giants, the Vikings, the Bears. I mean, these are all very unserious teams. So, like, they definitely could. Yeah, I think they're going to sneak into the playoffs. I mean, I look at the schedule. It's Philly in LA this week. Very tough game. But then Arizona and Pittsburgh back to back games in LA. Uh, they could be above 500 heading into that game in, uh, in Dallas at the end of October. Billy, your thoughts on the Rams when Cooper Cup does return? I, I think, I mean, we'll definitely see a reduction in, in target share, but I do think that uh, he'll be facing the number two cornerback now versus the number one cornerback. So he should be able to get open a bit more. Um, I, I agree with Davis. We're going to see, you know, a significant reduction in Van Jefferson, who's been seeing about 87 to 90% of snaps. We're going to see a reduction in 2 2 Well, everybody will take a hit here. Kyron will not see the 15% target share that he's been seeing on a week to week basis. That That's bound to dip down to probably 9 to 10%, quite frankly. Um, and so I think that we will see a reduction everywhere, but I don't think it's going to nuke Puka. I don't think that we can comfortably put. Because I've had, I mean, it's, I talked about this on the, the Fantasy Pros podcast. Like, it was so weird when I do my rankings now and see Puka Nakua inside the top 10 on a week to week basis because of the target share, right? We've seen like 35, 40% target share on a week to week basis. And, and so that will be, you know, probably come to an end. We'll probably see him more as a high end wide receiver too. Probably that like, you know, wide receiver 14 through 20 on a week to week basis, depending upon matchups. Um, but we also have to see what Cooper cups health looks like, because I don't think he just slides in this week. I don't think he, he's not going to come back at full speed right away. When you see a specialist week one, never a good sign for someone's long-term health. Um, so this could be a situation where they ease him back in because they've seen the success of Puka Nakua and they don't, and they know they don't need to get Cooper cut back right away. Um, and so I, I think that you might see uh, a little bit more delay here with Cooper Cup. The craziest thing about Puka Nakua's day yesterday is he goes nuts. He has over 160 yards receiving, scores a touchdown, and it's like not even doing anything to fantasy Twitter. And like nobody's freaking out. It's like we've already accepted how good he is so quickly. It's truly, truly wild. I think when we look back, um, you know, on this season, like from a macro level in the offseason, it's going to be wild. Uh, just to kind of look and see this ascent. We've really never seen anything like this. It's like but Justin look, Tucker, right? When he goes to kick a 60-yard field goal, you just expect him to do it now, right? When he yeah, misses now, you're like, what the hell? How do you miss that, right? It's Justin Tucker, you know? So Puka Nakua has kind of stepped into that role already, which is crazy as a rookie. And you just kind of expect him to see double-digit targets in 100 yards now. <laughs> if if JSN was doing what Puka Nakua was doing stat-wise, I mean, we would it would be like uh, society would be solved as a whole and everybody be, it, I mean, it would be like Chase's rookie year, how every every time he would catch a touchdown, people would talk about, like, I'm the only one who knew that actually uh, he was going to be good. You know, he was a sixth-round pick because he was having trouble seeing the ball, you know? <laughs> it's wild. Wild times, guys. Uh, let's stay in the NFC West. Christian McCaffrey broke Billy's hero, Jerry Rice's touchdown record of 12 straight games. He had now has 13 straight games with a touchdown. Uh, which is wild. He's the runaway RB1 overall right now, and San Francisco looks tremendous. We, we don't really need to touch on McCaffrey, Davis, but I want to see your opinion on Brock Purdy. Is he a guy that we should be cramming into our starting lineups? Is he a QB1 for you rest of the season? And is San Francisco the best team in the NFC? Yeah, San Francisco is the best team in the NFC, but they're still going to lose in the NFC Conference Championship probably, you know, because I, I've said this the whole time, which is that if Brock Purdy is your quarterback, you still have the same fundamental problem that led to you drafting Trey Lance, which is that 
you're down 10 points on the road in a must-win game. Your quarterback has to do something outside of structure, and he digs deep, and he can't do it, right? I mean, Purdy basically threw a perfect game yesterday, and he still had, like, two balls that he was like, oh, well, I really wish I had that one back, you know? Um, McCaffrey's awesome. The 49ers are awesome. Frustrating, obviously, if you have Debo or Kittle, and it was not their turn to go off, but it's going to be frustrating if you have Ayuk and it's not his turn to go off. The only one who's going to get there every week is McCaffrey. There'll even be some weeks where Purdy doesn't get there. Uh, feels like maybe a, a a big buying spot that I missed was in the off season. Like just, you could have gotten Purdy for a second, you know, the two Oh four or whatever. Someone's given you Purdy for that. They're like, Oh, I picked Purdy up off waivers free, you know, whatever. Um, but yeah, the, the 49ers are awesome. They're also awesome. Cause they have, four guys who are relevant for fantasy and you don't even need to know Ronnie Bell or Juwan Jennings names, you know, like those guys just do not matter at all. And I, I appreciate that for Kyle Shannon because he could totally be a dick like Sean Payton and, and just rotate all these guys in and give touchdowns to whoever he almost gave juice check one and then changed his mind. It was like, nah, CMC go for it. You got it, brother. Unbelievable start for CMC. Billy, anything to add about your San Francisco 49ers? Yeah, the only thing Davis got met, he got he got wrong here is they're not going to be on the road because they're going to be playing from home inside of the championship games, right? And so that's the only tip that he got wrong. So what he lacks, though, I think in in physical strength or attributes because he's not the most he's not the strongest quarterback. He doesn't have the biggest arm. He's not the fastest, right? There's a reason why he was drafted where he was drafted, but. Some people just fit schemes well, right? And he's been getting the ball out of his hand. Uh, he's a perfect fit for the West Coast offense. And I think that he's got the team, of course, trust behind him. But it's also just the energy that he brings to the team as well. I, the true test will be against Dallas this weekend because we've seen him do this against a lot of other teams. Uh, when they played Philly last year in the tough defense, he struggled. Of course, got hurt, which was the big part. But now he's healthy. If we he can do it against Dallas, then I don't really have a concern going to playoffs. But I think this will be a true test as we see kind of uh, the speed of Dallas defense. What is it going to do to Purdy's decision-making? What is it going to do to uh, his his passing reps? And, and is he going to be able to overcome it? If he can, then I'm feeling a lot more confident about the Super Bowl run. Um, while we just real quick before we move on, little little note I saw the other day on Christian McCaffrey's magic touchdown run. Have you had bet a hundred dollars on him week to week, starting last week, week 13, on an anytime touchdown score, and you rolled it over through week three of this year? You'd have seventy eight thousand dollars right now on the anytime touchdown score. Gotta love oh. it. Gotta love it, Billy. Nice find on the on the gambling side. If you want more of of Billy's picks, Billy is writing a gambling column, a bet openly gambling column that drops every Saturday on PlayerProfiler.com. That's right, guys. A shark. You didn't know it, but he's a gambling <laughs> shark and a sharp. Uh, Davis and Billy, I'll, I'll give you a, a shout out, Davis. You do a very good job with your waiver wire podcast and column. And you, you've given good guidance over the years. And a lot of times, like I, I, I write one and I, and I do a video every week and I go, think I go very deep and I provide a lot of like NFFC, FFPC names. You do the same. So a big hat tip for, for going so deep with your waiver wire recommendations. Give us somebody that maybe you're going to be a little bit higher on as a waiver wire ad this week, uh, you know, potentially than some other columns. 
Probably, probably some tight ends. I mean, that's generally the spot that you can get uh, in in the FFPC. I have a feeling Kate Otten is going to show up for me this week, and I did check. He's he's been he's like one of the most dropped players in the FFPC. But Mike Evans, uh, hamstring injury, and I'll throw Trey Palmer in there too. Although um, one dollar Trey Palmer has been like my go to bid this year. Just like when I get to the end, like if there's a guy I have to drop, like oh, I'm dropping. Mike Evans or, or Mike Williams. Like I'm dropping someone who got hurt. It's like Trey Palmer. $1 is the last bit. It was one Wandale Wondale Robinson, one Robinson, by the way, I mean, it must've just been because week three was so dusty, but I saw him in a couple of my leagues go for like 300 bucks or whatever. And I'm like, man, yeah. you guys should have just taken him in the 20th round instead of just having to spend all this fab on him. We, we, we knew he was coming, but uh, yeah, final answer, Trey Palmer this week. I actually think that uh, Tompkins, well, like just the fact that Otten, Tompkins, Palmer are, are all there. We won't know the severity probably by Wednesday. I mean, maybe we'll get a report that he had like a, a tear or something. But you should, even if even if they say, you know, hamstring injury, multi-week, you know, it's it's not good. Palmer's not going for more than 111. And I, I really liked him as a college prospect. I, I think he's pretty good. And I, I think he's probably worth that. Yeah, he's the guy that we we were high on, and then he goes late in the draft, but he can really, really, really fly. Uh, and he's got some toughness to him, as you've seen on some of these uh, big catches. Billy, anybody intrigue you this week on the waiver wire? Uh, Pierre Strong uh, looks like the best back on the offense, honestly. Uh, we knew he was electric coming out of college. We saw you know a glimpse of it last year when he was in New England. Uh had had a decent game yesterday going, you know, 549, which is, you know, a 9.8 yard per carry average. I think they're going to manufacture more touches for him. Uh, I'd like to see him involved in the passing game. Uh, I just don't know if, how he's able to do on pass pro right now. So maybe it might be hindering him in that position. Uh, but if he can get on the field a little bit more, I think he earned some touches yesterday and it was kind of the, the bright spot in their offense. So I would like to see him on the field more, but I think that he's another good addition as well. Yeah, I love that call with Pierre Strong. He's a guy that I added a bunch of, uh, you know, during kind of Jerome Ford Mania Week because uh, he was cheap. He was super cheap, and he people were pushing him aside as a perceived number three. But we've always kind of liked his talent profile, his athleticism. I like Michael Wilson. I think, like, it seems like we're kind of paying for touchdowns with that ad, but he looks good to me. Uh, he's a big, strong, physical wide receiver. He's different some, than some of their other guys. And with that way that team is, I, I could see them moving on from Ertz trading him to a contender and Hollywood Brown's always banged up. So I think Michael Wilson's the kind of guy that when we look at the second half of the year, he might be a guy that, you know, helps us get through bye weeks or potentially finds our starting lineup uh, in some situations. Uh, give us one guy that maybe you would be buying if you were in a trading league, Davis, let's stick to redraft for this one. Jamar chase, right? I mean, yes. the, the guy, the guy who has Jamar chase is probably one in three. He's probably pissed. He's probably just like not having a good time. You should be able, you should be able to get him. Uh, Kelsey would be the other one, right? Misses game one, uh, has a good game too. He's like, he's been fine, but just like I, and I talk about this in dynasty too. It's, it's sort of like the difference between you send a guy a fair market trade and he just like, doesn't even respond to you and just rejects it in the app and doesn't reach out. Cause he's not gettable. So like chase, Garrett Wilson, guys like this go from just being like untouchable, you're never getting them, to there's like real human dynamic reasons for why that trade would be accepted. Like right now, if you have, let's say you have, um, I don't know, Devin A-Chain, 
and Calvin Ridley. You send you send Calvin Ridley and Devin A. Chain to the Jamar Chase guy. He's thinking about it. He might yes. he might not accept it, and he might say, you know, that's my guy. I took him second overall. I'm not doing it. But he also might do it. He might just look at it and be like, you know what? Sure, why not? Like, let's fantasy football is supposed to be fun. Watching Jamar Chase and the Bengals is like the least fun thing in the world right now. Let's do it. I'll give you two. If I'm in a redraft league, I'm kicking the tires on Sam Laporta because the usage is there for a top five season. He's already in the top five. It's not like a huge stretch, but I think there's always a little bit of apprehension. Plus, a lot of people drafted him as their tight end, too, in some of these home leagues. Uh, I think Laporte is the real deal, and I think that Jamison Williams kind of helps the whole offense with you know the speed element he brings. Uh, and then I'll, I'll say this, guys. Brandon Ayuk, I would buy high on because he looks like such a beast right now. Uh, Debo's already a little bit banged up, and Brandon Ayuk, just regardless, has had multiple smash games. It seems to be really coming together for him uh, this season, and we love the San Francisco offense. Billy, is there anybody you're kicking the tires on if you were in a trading league? Yeah, I can't believe I was saying because I didn't really like the guy at any point for any reason, but it's Brian Robinson with the usage we're seeing. And we're yeah, actually starting like to see, we're actually starting to see him get involved in the passing game too, which is not something I expected. Um, but the guy's running hard. We're seeing consistent touches from him, you know, on low side, you know, 14 range. We're getting 18 and 19 carries a game at times. And so I think that with that type of usage is some of that you could hang your hat on. And then if you really wanted to, you could handcuff him pretty cheap because you can get Antonio Gibson for just pennies on a dollar right now. And you could just lock down that backfield and, 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 and have somebody at any given time. So Brian Robinson's kind of a sneaky one. Pour one out for Antonio Gibson drafters. It's uh, it's not looking so good. Not not a good scene. Davis, what 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 are you looking for tonight? What's your the biggest thing you're looking for in tonight's Monday night football game between Seattle and New York? And do you have any Monday night sweats? I actually don't. Honestly, it's like uh, I in 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 my home league, I just need Gino and Metcalf to not go like nuclear. Like don't combine for fifty. I think. Um, but yeah, all my FFPC stuff is pretty locked up, you know, not, not starting JSN anywhere. So don't need him. Uh, what I would like to see from tonight is, uh, Wandale getting to like 30 snaps on offense. That would be, that would be like either him putting Hodgins or Paris Campbell on ice. If one of those two things happens, you, I mean, Wandale is like my, probably my most rostered guy across every format of fantasy football. So that'll be a big win. Um, and also I would like to see JSN see one target past the sticks, <laughs> just one, just like one, one target past the sticks. Billy, any big sweats tonight on Monday night? And what's one thing you're looking for? Uh, I'm looking for another low JSN week so I can continue to shoot you mean text messages on our bet and talk it's about just, how it's, I, it's I want you to pay me in pennies and and uh, and that way I can you know count it out for the next couple hours as we're in Vegas next year and so that's that's the number one thing uh, I do have two big sweats actually and they're both with one player so I need DK Metcalf to put up twenty in one league but I cannot have him score more than twenty one point one five if I can thread that needle. I get three victory points in one 5K, and I get four victory points in one of the 10Ks at FFPC. So um, it, as long as we're uh, – if we're underneath 21, I still get four regardless in the 10K. But if we're, if, we're, if we're over 20, I still get another three. So it's kind of a very fine needle here, Theo, but I need it to happen. It's a I, – I hate it, this type of – I have a bunch of sweats like this. I have 
one league where I need Ken Walker and DK to both have good games. I have another league where it was like a a main where I have 170 something. <laughs> and if DK, I'm up 22 on DK, but I need DK points other places. And then I have a couple of leagues where I could use some Ken Walker uh, points as well. It's uh, a lot of sweating going on in the Greminger household tonight with the Monday night sweats, but we love it. Uh, Davis, what's one game in upcoming in week five that you have circled? There are a couple pretty interesting ones. I mean, I do think that Jacksonville Buffalo, like assuming that, uh, you know, Jacksonville, like the Buffalo has no problems getting over there. That should be, I think the Jaguars will learn a lot about themselves and will get some good information on like, okay, like what do the bills do against another serious team? Um, I also am uh, pretty excited for Kansas city, Minnesota, because you know, these tough pass defenses, I, about about sick of watching Mahomes go for 23 fantasy points. I need a classic 505 from him. I also have a sneaking suspicion that they're just going to unleash Rashi Rice. That just like they're going to they're going to do some self scouting. They're going to watch the film on Monday and they're going to be like, we just played Justin Watson 44 snaps and he did not get open once the entire game. Like literally, what is the point? Like if if a guy is so unable to get separation or get open, like what is the uh, the the point and uh philadelphia la sneaky upset there uh hurts still not quite right not not quite right um for hurts this season so that's really what i'm keeping an eye on i i think that this week is so much fun i mean obviously i know billy's gonna say you know 49ers cowboys and you could touch on that billy uh you know anytime the, the 49ers play the cowboys these 49ers fans they get so nostalgic and they they have to go nuts with it but I'm excited to see Mike McDaniel and the Miami Dolphins offense coming off of a loss against New York on a short week. This could be a, another 50-point type explosion. I think Miami's going to absolutely put it on them. We love that for fantasy. I'm very excited to see Garrett Wilson against this Denver Broncos secondary. I think we could finally have a Garrett Wilson like smash smash week. Uh, I think this is a that's a really fun one. And then, guys, it's Arizona hosting Cincinnati. The wheels could really, really fall out from underneath the Bengals. Arizona's a live dog. I think they really, really care. Josh Dobbs really, really cares. I think the coaching staff kind of gets it in Arizona. He's got the guys playing hard. That's a dangerous game for Cincinnati, and I think a lot of people are just going to pencil uh, Cincinnati in for an easy win. I don't see it. Billy, talk to us about your 49ers and your Cowboys and any other games that you're excited about. Yeah, Cowboy Niner games would be great. Like I said earlier, it's going to be kind of a a maybe an envision into the future of what we could expect into playoffs as we see some better teams. The Niners are going to be facing some tougher defenses. Um, the other one I want to look at actually is actually the Rams versus Philly. I want to see how Puka Nakua does against you know some of the better secondaries and and what what the Rams look like against an elite defense. Um, and then, of course, we have the shootout with Kansas City and Minnesota. Probably going to be the highest over under of the week. And I, I think I'm looking forward to that one as well. I love it. Davis, you've been very generous with your time. Wow, we loved having you on. Let everybody know when your podcasts are dropping this week. Uh, Sports Grid Fantasy Football Podcast, Monday morning, Tuesday morning, Thursday morning, Friday morning. Take cast out on Wednesday afternoons. Swole cast on Wednesday afternoons. Appreciate the chat. You guys were, were very live today. Please hit the like button. Uh, Billy, what do you have coming up this week? 
Uh, we we relaunched the dynasty or the not dynasty. We relaunched the dominator. Uh, we did do that on Saturday. We did it at seven o'clock this time, but it will be six thirty moving forward. Uh, and that's just a start sit lineup AMA questions. And we had, you know, a lot of people in the chat. We had a lot of questions. We actually ended up going close to an hour because we couldn't get to all the questions. We felt bad, so we just kept going and going and going. But it is supposed to be a thirty minute podcast. Um, but you know, thanks everyone for, for coming out. It was, it was a good time. We had a good showing and we got a lot of questions answered. So, uh, I think we made most of the right decisions. I, there was one that I looked back and I was like, oh man, we gave him kind of some wrong, wrong advice there, but you can't get them all right. Yeah. And definitely check out my waiver wire column dropping tomorrow on playerprofiler.com. Check out press coverage, check out Billy on the dominator. Uh, stick with us all week long fantasy empire dropping on Wednesday, mind a mansion We're, we've got you covered for week five, week five, fellas. This is exciting times. Thanks again to Davis Maddock, and enjoy the rest of your day. Hey, I want to take a moment to thank you for tuning in. It's important to me that all of our media be free. This is only possible because of you allowing a true independent sports media enterprise to thrive unlike any other in the business. So please subscribe to the All In Package to continue to make all of this possible to ensure that all of our stats, information, data, content is available to you, especially you. The people that get the site and get the show. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com.